Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. Blue Crush from 2002 tells the story of Anne-Marie Chadwick and her friends as she prepares for the Pipeline Surfing Contest. It's directed by John Stockwell. It's based on Susan Orlean's 1998 Outside Magazine article, Life's Swell. And uh, joining us to talk about the film is writer, filmmaker, and bon vivant, Guy Benoit. Hello, Guy. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Michael. Hello. We're very excited to have you on to talk about this movie. Well, I hope I don't ruin everything. So I think there's very little chance of that. I was I, I thought of you immediately because... When we decided to do this one, the first thing that came into my mind was Guy loves this movie. I do. If you look at the world in a certain way where there's this endless debate over what is the the greatest movie of all time and you're going to have Citizen Kane and Vertigo, those are the two that have been going back and forth for the past 10 years, I think. Uh, And you have rules of the game and you have, you know, the, uh, the grand illusion and whatnot. But in a different universe, Blue Crush is kind of the greatest movie of all time simply because it's just so much better than anyone could reasonably expect it to be. And I'm not saying that as damning with faint praise. It's it's a really, really, really good movie. And at the time it came out, if you look at what was going on around it, you you would have no no inclination to think that that was the case. And then you see it, and it's fantastic. It's a really great movie that evidently had a big influence on on a lot of young people who saw it at the time. I was older when I saw it. I think that's true. And I think like a lot of movies that have an influence on young people, it, I think it did okay at the box office. It wasn't a flop, but it wasn't a huge hit. But I think people caught it on you know DVD and cable or streaming. There, you know, there was a direct-to-DVD sequel that has nothing to do with the original film. And I'm... I'm with you in that I love this movie. I think this, I thought it was so good. I hadn't watched it in a few years when I fired it up for the, for this podcast. And I was like super impressed a by how much it was able to get all the necessary information about what was going on with Anne Marie without having a scene where she sat down and said, I'm really uh, concerned because I hurt myself surfing. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and now the big competition's coming up. I mean, like it tells you all the, all that visually and through editing. And I was really impressed by that. Surprisingly nuanced. I, I love the genre of the, of the film that is way better than it has any right to be mm-hmm. like being, being totally pleasantly surprised by a movie where you have zero, you know, you have, you go in with zero expectation and walk out thinking, Holy shit, that was a legitimately well-made movie that I like, I, I, I have such a soft spot in my heart for that. And I agree. I think blue crush is one of those movies. You sit down and you're like, Oh, we'll watch the cheesy surfer movie. And then you walk away like, Holy shit. That was like 
there was nuanced storytelling and character development and like and like there it wasn't just like the good guys and the bad guys you know it was like there everybody had sort of a a, a point of view and you know I, I i i i liked the idea that the the local dude surfers were genuinely supportive of the 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 main characters like like desire to be a big wave surfer and when they when they pushed her it it was like in kind of a they were pushing her to do better but it wasn't like girls can't like she slams and then they say it but like when they're out there on the water like blocking everybody else from jumping on the waves like they genuinely want her to like overcome her jitters and 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 do well which is like such you know like that's that you wouldn't expect a, a, a sort of a nuanced thing like that from a movie like that. I think one of the things you're hitting on that I think we can all agree on is that for like the, the teenage girls or, or the, you know, the, it's a surf movie and everyone looks beautiful in their bikinis and their, and their, you know, quick silver. It's actually a surprisingly quiet movie. Yeah. Like you look at like, say, what was it? Bring it on the cheerleader movie that came out. And then you look at stick it, which is the, the gymnastics movie. These are, these are very female centric kind of girl power movies, but they're very loud and they're very stylized. And there's a lot of script writer jargon in it and catchphrases. And you look at blue crush and it's a lot closer, like American graffiti in a lot of ways. Right. Right. These characters are living sort of this like idyllic, you know, hand to mouth, young girl, young, young kids surfer lifestyle. They just work in the hotel and surf. Yeah, yeah. You, and I, I don't think there's any sort of like moralizing parental figure in it at all. And one of my favorite scenes in Blue Crush, and it's a great scene, is when Anne Marie is dropping her younger sister off at school, and she says you got to go to school because I'm not, I'm sure not. And it's, and there's no, there's no maudlin or poignant aspect to it. She was like, I'm not doing that. You do it. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're still 16. Go to school. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I noticed about that is guy, Mike and I have watched a ton of shitty skateboard movies for this podcast. Mm -hmm. And so many, the uh, the theme for, I would say 90% of them is, you know, you have a young kid, who wants to be a pro skateboarder and the parents are like, you can't be a pro skateboarder. You got to go work at the factory with me. And the kid's like, but my dream is to be a pro skateboarder. And this movie had none of that. The main, I mean, the main conflict was between Anne-Marie and herself. And if the closest thing to a moralizing parent figure was Anne-Marie to her younger sister. Right. And they, they're entirely self-sufficient. They live in this kind of house that they take care of themselves and they, take advantage of the amenities at the hotel that they work at. So it, it isn't, it isn't this, like you're saying there, there, at no point, there's no wizened moon doggy character who's going to come out and show you the ropes. They're, they're doing it themselves. They're, they're, they're learning the ropes. And yeah, they just remove the parental. There just isn't a parent present. So. And, and ordinarily in a lot of movies that would be seen as like a, threatening aspect or where are the parents like in river's edge there's none of that (laughs) i mean there's an element of watching this you know as kind of a a middle-aged person 
and thinking like, God, it was great to be young. <laughs> and I, I'm, sh- I'm sure the young kids watching it, I'm sure like a 13 year old watching the movie is more like, I can't wait to get a little bit older so I can, you know, hang out with my friends like this. But, you know, there's this other aspect looking at it from where, you know, where at, where I was like, it was so much fun to be young. <laughs> yeah. When we, when we lived in that, the, the apartment we lived in off of Hope Street, that was $400 a month. Yes. <laughs> where, we, where we, our idea of an adventure, we were so poor that our idea of an adventure was just walking to the store to get sodas. Like that's, that is, that is, that is the, some of my favorite memories of youth, just not giving a shit. I was just thinking about the lack of sleep that was required until I was about maybe like in my early thirties, maybe a little younger than that, but yeah, we're going to drive down to New York. We're going to play a show going to drive back, get home at five. I'll take a shower. I'll go to work. Right. And, <laughs> I, and somehow you just do that. I, yes. I, now, if I, if, if I, I'm in bed by 1130 yes, if I and I that, sleep, no, I, I right. sleep till 9am. <laughs> I'm, like I'm like, I'm like a house cat now. <laughs> One of the kids like climbed into bed last night and woke me up at three in the morning. And I was like, this is going to mess me up for the week. <laughs> right, right. I'm not going to get my solid nine and a half hours. for the whole week. Of yes. this <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, the, the surfers, she's, she's out until past midnight and then, and then enters the pipeline contest right. at six the next morning. Jesus Christ. There, apart from just beautiful people running around in bikinis and, and board shorts, there isn't a gross titillization or titillation aspect to it. Like there's no guys hiding in the bushes, taking pictures or. Well, it's like Island life and that you get the sense that where, you know, wearing a bikini or board shorts is just part of the, the culture. Like you're constantly at the beach, you know, like I can, yeah, I, I definitely, it's funny. You're right. Like a lot of the stuff that you, a lot of the tropes that you're just sort of waiting to unfold are just absent, you yeah. know? And you don't really realize it until midway through that this is a really well done exploration of like late adolescence that is being shoehorned into uh what would have then been like you know uh um like a late period mtv at the beach type thing but a lot of a lot of what makes blue crush great is what it quietly refuses to do and it's not um a loud cartoonish catchphrasey movie it's even the relationship with the quarterback yeah i think (laughs) <laughs> which is probably sort of the most cliche part of the movie. That is true. Um, it's it's still handled like pretty low key, I think. And it's funny because so we originally, I don't know if we're going to touch on it, but one of the movies we were going to discuss in the same podcast was going to be The North Shore, which I think Kevin and I uh, decided just doesn't contain enough skateboarding, like so little skateboarding that I I actually don't, remember seeing the, the skateboarding <laughs> in the movie but the, the funny thing is as a juxtaposition of that there, so the north shore which is not a good movie and shares a lot of the same themes as blue crush is also actually a more nuanced film in a lot of the same ways than you would think 
1987 movie about a kid traveling to Hawaii to like ride the like uh, there are a lot of the same themes like the the the, the native islanders just it, it, as in Blue Crush are not depicted as they're territorial and they're kind of bullies, but they're territorial and they're bullies in a way where they're, they're you know, there's the narrative that they're trying to protect the the island life because, you know, a lot, a lot of tourists come and fuck everything up. And so there's like a much more nuanced, they're not just bad guys. Like, you know, I, I, I kept thinking about how the bad guys were treated in the movie Thrashing where they're, they're the daggers and they're wearing their, their cut off denim, you know, jeans, jackets or whatever. And like, you never quite get the, like the, the, the reasoning as to like why they're the bad, like, why would you want to be the bad guy in this situation? Like, couldn't you just calm the fuck down and go skateboarding with your friends? But at least in both uh, the North shore and blue crush, there's like a, there's sort of like a narrative reasoning for it. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, North Shore is a little rough. It's it's yeah, it's, it's like directed by a sentient Ocean Pacific t-shirt. Right. right. <laughs> it's ugly looking. <laughs> but and then, but you'll notice at the end of that movie, just like at the end of Blue Crush, the 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 end result isn't that they they win the contest. You know what I mean? Like it both in both the North Shore, uh the the main character enters the contest and does really well, but doesn't manage to actually win, but walks away with a, with a greater appreciation for soul surfing. And in blue crush, it's the same thing. She, she doesn't gain enough points to win the contest, but she gains back the, 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 the confidence to ride the waves. Yeah. And she gets sponsored and she gets sponsored and she gets on the cover of the match. Well, she's for real at the end of it. You know, at the end of it, she's for real. Now, Mike, one thing I wanted to ask you, um, is there's there's a tiny bit of skateboarding in Blue Crush. There's there's sort of like a ramp at the yeah. party where Anne Marie shows up to get her sister, and that that gave us enough to cover it here on this podcast. Right. <laughs> the technicality, you got it. Well, yes. that that's there was more skateboarding. That's not technicality skateboarding. Uh, the skateboarding in Back to the Beach was technicality. So yes. that was, there was somebody holding a skateboard in Back to the Beach, yeah. and that's how we arrived there. I'm sorry, Kevin, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and we, you know, we had talked about Back to the Beach before, but I wanted to get your thoughts on where do you think skateboard culture and surf culture are similar, and what are the like? What's the difference? Like, where do where do they come apart? Well, I think they are intrinsically tied. The, the birth of skateboarding uh, was deeply tied to surf culture. It was called the sidewalk surfing board. And um, it was, it, you know, in the, in the earliest stage of popularity, skateboarding was marketed as just a toy, uh, but it was like sort of a way to like bring surf culture to your suburban town in Ohio or whatever by like surfing the sidewalks and then in its second wave of popularity in the 70s it was it was absolutely tied the z-boys and the dogtown guys would skate when there was the surf was flat and they would mimic the moves on on the of, of the waves on embankments and in like drive you know like embankments and driveways a lot of the, the stance and everything was mimicking skateboard us uh, surfing on the streets with a skateboard in nowadays i think that they're only they're tied in the way that board sports are sort of all tied together in the, the in the, the that under that umbrella of like extreme sports i can say that 
almost every pro skater of a certain aesthetic hits a certain age and enters their I'm going to surf every day phase. And I think that, you know, it's, it's because it's one of those things where it's available. If you are a pro skater of a, of, from a certain time, you certainly live in California and you certainly live near the beach and it's not hard to, you know, if you, if you've been a skateboarder, you can pick up surfing pretty, I think pretty handily, but culturally i don't think they're they're super related to each other anymore i think that they're they're adjacent to each other and i think you know in in the movie blue crush i think skateboarding is often used in media like that as like just a sort of another level of like these are extreme young folks having like a party with music and there's skate, you know, there's, it's like, I've never been to a party or a club in my entire life where there's a half pipe just available to, to skate. And yet in many, many, many movies, there are nightclubs and parties where they're just, Oh, and by the way, here's this skate ramp with all these, you know, like get drunk and go on this. Yeah. It's always, it's always portrayed in this way where it's like, in addition to the to that lifestyle skateboarding is sort of present but yeah in in i don't know that i would say that modern i I would say that modern skateboarding and modern surfing are just sort of adjacent to each other aesthetically so would you say that in the past there were times where the skateboarding and surfing maybe overlapped oh yeah absolutely like i like i said in the second wave of popularity in the 70s uh, which is laid out beautifully in that in that Z Boys uh, movie and in the documentary. They were they were absolutely tied together. The the, the surf surf shops sold skateboards and they would skate. You know, like I said, when the when the when the waves are flat, the younger generation were just like, well, we will will transfer our skill set to uh, skateboards. I think there was a real specific like emulation of, of bob bertelman the guy used to touch the, the waves when he would surf. right one of the very first yeah. tricks you learn in skateboarding is called a bertelman slide which is it's it's you know you you, you can see it a, a lot of examples of it in that the the z-boys documentary where you, you it's tactile you put your hands on the ground and you slide your wheels as though you're sort of and then say when when it when it leveled up into pool skating that was the same thing. Like in, in surfing, you're trying to ride the edge of the wave as close to the top as you can. And in pool, so they when they discovered pool skating, that you know you could see millions of pictures of those guys with their hands down on the pool coping, you know, slashing against the wall, which is absolutely an emulation of surfing. I think it. I think that the the association died away a little bit during the the vertical when 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 pools became half pipes which are like the big wooden use mm-hmm. and that you know i think that that style sort of started to gravitate away from more like emulating surfing as the as they were able to go up above the lip once skateboarding became airborne i think it became a lot less to do with surfing mm-hmm. um but but even in the mo- like in modern skateboarding if you see someone just cruising down the street even like because there are long borders which is a whole sort of a subset of the culture within skateboarding, uh, which is a which is very akin to surfing. But even just modern street skateboarding, when you see someone cruising down the street and kind of carving in and out of traffic, that's I, I would say that that's intrinsically linked, sort of on an elemental level to surfing. I think it's like you kind of can't. I think skateboarding 
exists outside of surfing now, but I don't think it would have happened unless surfing preceded it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also having grown up on the East coast, there's, I've always known skateboarders and uh, the Peter Pan surfer board on WBRU, notwithstanding, I did not know a lot of surfers. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's, you know, I, I, I think I touch on this all the time. Like, you know, I, I, the reason that I think I, I think it's become pretty evident over the course of this podcast that I really, really love skateboarding. And I think the reason for that, the reason I fell in love with it as a kid was exactly what you're describing, which is the accessibility of it. When you're a kid, you know, I would, I remember leafing through surfing magazines or like, I remember when boogie boarding first became like a big trend. I would like, like before I had the veil, the availability of a skateboarding magazine, you, you know, if you found yourself in Newport with your parents for the day or whatever, you could walk into like water brothers or a sunglasses hut and there would be a, a surfing magazine. And as awesome as surfing looked, what is even in the ocean state in Rhode Island, like what is your entry point? There, most of the waves in Rhode Island are below three feet high, and you can only surf three months out of the year. And so there's this like, unless you're in California, uh, you know, in a surf culture, it's really hard to sort of find. I mean, there is a surf culture in Rhode Island, and they're those guys are fucking maniacs. They they surf in the middle of the winter and below zero temperatures, and you gotta really love something to do that. But with skateboarding, the price of admission was a skateboard. That's it. You get a skateboard and you have a, a driveway and you're, you are, you are in now indoctrinated and you could skate anywhere at any time. And the, the, you know, and, and the, 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 the entire, like I said, the entire entry fee was the price of a skateboard that, the, that most of us got at like a, at like a, a, a department store for the first skateboard we got. So it was like a $30 entry fee. And now you're fully immersed in this culture. And that's why I, I, to this day, I think that's what makes it so awesome is that it's like, it's just, it, it's a very easy, it's hard to learn the, the, the nuances and the really technical tricks. And you can really fuck yourself up if you go too fast or, too, you know, but still, you can step on a skateboard and immediately feel like you're sort of part of the part of the culture. Yeah. I genuinely feel that the likelihood of me surfing at any point in my life is the same as the likelihood of me, like sprouting butterfly wings and flying down. Right. The right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I remember it like it was yesterday. We went on a family trip to uh, Nantucket and there was a surf shop and my dad let me buy a, a surfing magazine and I sat on the beach in Nantucket and looked at all these surfers and looked at all the equipment and looked at the tiny little waves hitting the shore in Nantucket. It was just like, man, I, it's awesome, but I can't relate to this. And I, I remember on the way back to the ferry, we stopped by the very same surf shop. And my, I, my dad could tell that I wasn't super thrilled with my, like, leafed through the surf magazine and then just kind of put it to the side and we went back into the surf shop and my father was like hey there's a skateboarding magazine and i had never seen one and i bought my first copy of transworld skateboarding in like 1987 and i think that i must have read 
every, like I must've read that magazine cover to cover 75 times until I could get my hands on another one because I was immediately like, this is the thing. Like, it's just, every city and every town in, in, you know, in the world has a parking curb painted yellow in front of a, in front of a, a convenience store that you can do these tricks on. And, and I was just fucking hooked. Guy, what was your equivalent of that trans world skate magazine? Oh, uh, the trans, well, I'm, I'm going to keep it within the, the skateboarding, um, discussion about one of the things i think we're we're noticing and actually this kind of comes up in in blue crush to a degree is the um separation between the surf and skate cultures from like mainstream let's call it athletics like right jock culture and i was i my i remember my sister had gotten a skateboard in 1977 and it was a piece of yellow plastic with you know the the petroleum wheels and i put a jaws sticker on it which would peel off and then i would try to put it back on it would go off. and we would go to the top of our, our driveway and i would just sort of slowly roll down and then walk back up and slowly roll down but i can remember being in high school and i was very young i would have been 15 16 years old and i started seeing kids wearing the animal chin t-shirts yep and i was a pretty hip kid despite growing up in manville rhode island and i remember seeing these things and like what what are these kids talking about what is this thing you know and i went up and i asked them and being skateboarders they immediately gave me a, a, a good ball busting for for asking that's one other thing we haven't discussed is, is surfers and and skateboarders the overlap of just deep deep reservoirs of sarcasm and smart ass behavior. But I, I would say as far as, as far as the skateboarding where I started seeing um, tendrils between skateboarding and punk rock. Right. In right. The, in the secret handshake division. Sure. A lot, a lot of skulls. And yeah. And yeah. That's the other yeah. thing I was going to say is the t-shirts with these skulls and these things written on the sleeves of the t-shirt, you buy a long sleeve t-shirt and it has, I remember we went down to Madeira beach, Florida when I was in seventh grade and we went to the mad beach surf shop and I got a t-shirt. It's a mad beach surf shop on a thing. And I wore that to, um, back to high school. And you certainly didn't see those like Kevin saying in, in Rhode Island, there was no surf culture. So or something like that. You got a lot of mileage out of it. I, I remember when I was in, I, I had been in Catholic school until I was in sixth grade. And then in seventh grade, I went to the public school and I was like a little Spicoli looking kid. I had like the, the army shirt as a jacket and a whole, I, I wore a Hawaiian shirt on my first day of school and, and was, and was immediately, you know, shoved and called an idiot or whatever. But a couple of months, a couple of months into that school year, a kid who a, who I later found out was originally from Woonsocket, but had moved to like Virginia Beach, Virginia or something, showed up one day in full top to tail skateboarder regalia, like the vision. I mean, all, like the yeah. vision streetwear block print shirt and the sneakers that had like the, the Velcro flap that covered the laces so the laces wouldn't get and and like the you know the the, the Tony Hawk haircut 
and the life's a beach hat with the flipped up. And he looked like a fucking alien. I like, I couldn't believe. And he was the coolest looking kid that I, you know, that I had ever seen because he had the full. And then within a couple of weeks of that, there were like four or five other skaters. And yeah. suddenly after I passed this sort of like litmus test of, of, are you the real deal? Are you a poser? I suddenly had this little crew of skateboarder friends, but it, it, it came completely out of nowhere. I was right. like completely alone in the crowd for the first three months of seventh grade. And then suddenly I had this cabal of like-minded skater guys and that, you know, and, and, and all of the great things that go along with that, you know, yeah, the, the intrusion, like the, the slow intrusion of, of West coast culture into let's say new England prior to the internet was such a gradual process and you were really feeling out in the dark. Like when I started seeing the kids, like it, it, it sounds ridiculous now, but just wearing a baseball hat with the brim up. Yeah. Yeah. That was suicidal tendencies thing on it. That would get you noticed. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or just even just the branding, like, like, you know, all of a sudden there was a kid in a Ron John's shirt, surf shop t-shirt mm-hmm. and it, it looked foreign. It was a, it was different coloring and different, you know, like a very different aesthetic. And so those kids, like, I remember the, the most coveted item when I was 13 or 14 was the, either the <laughs> Vision Streetwear made this unfathomably cheap uh, beret and when you ordered the beret, you didn't, you couldn't request a certain color. It was made from whatever cast off. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, yeah, like they would probably buy like, like the the end of different uh, material from like the factory. Like, oh, we have two feet of this. We'll take it, and they would make you this shitty. Like it, it would fall apart if you if if it rained on it. Or the other one was the the life's a beach hat with the flipped up, it was almost like a cyclist hat, but then you'd yeah. flip up the, and it was like, had like a skull print. And I remember they had one that was like a plaid print. And then inside the plaid was little skulls. And I, I will tell you that I would have sold my sister up the river to have a hat like that. Like that was <laughs> because it was something you like, you could legitimately say like, no one else is going to have this. Mm-hmm. It's so niche you know, that I wanted to be the guy, like, you know, you want to be the guy with the secret handshake, right? It's well, then, know, Yeah, and then you go to school that day and it blows, during homeroom, it blows through that you're wearing some outlandish shoes and everyone's got to come and look at you in the hallway wearing the, yeah, with the, the blue vision streetwear shoes with the skull, the vague skull imprint and whatnot. Yeah, that was, oh, that yeah. was, those are special times. Um, Blue Crush is not a particularly punk rock movie. No, like, no. No, if it was if it had been made in the eighties, it would it would it have had the soundtrack on Enigma Records with you know T S O L on it or something. But they they don't do there's no epitaph on it at all. It's uh it's it's its own thing. Yeah, it's mostly like kind of hip hop. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah, Nicky yeah, Costa yeah. song. Everybody's got their something, which I really like. And because there are a lot yeah. of montages in the movie, there's a lot of music, and I think the music's pretty well chosen. Right. And but once again, it's not falling back on the surf Nazis must die thing where you're going to have Erzatz punk rock on the soundtrack. It was very forward thinking and very uh, youthful and not retro at all. I, I also, I really have the, the 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 part of the movie that I enjoyed watching act the most was the the first time she gives 
all of the football players their first surf lessons and they're just yes yeah but he's just but but the the idea that like a lot of times in in, in the the way that surfing or or skateboarding is represented in films often is that it's this like joyless (laughs) you know like if if you make one wrong move you're gonna get fucking killed and you know and there is an element of that in the movie but there's also that like it's hawaii and there is a surf culture of people basically just surfing in little two-foot waves just enjoying the hell out of themselves because that's the that's the interesting thing about surfing you know kind of like what i was touching on before is that where skateboarding is the cost of a skateboard a piece of cement and the and getting your bearings for a second on the board and rolling the distance between trying to get on a surfboard for the very first time and actually standing up on a surfboard is such a like that's not a thing that happens in your first day there's that great sequence where like they're showing like like even just to get out into the water past the waves coming in is this massive expenditure of energy mm-hmm. that that almost like destroys you before you even get out to the water to the to the water and point yourself in the other direction and mm-hmm. so to have a sequence like that that was just like oh th- by the way this is also a super fun thing to do was I was like, oh, that's rarely is surfing portrayed this way where you could just enjoy it and you know. Yeah, there's that scene in 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 Point Break where Keanu Reeves goes to a surf boot camp and that woman is telling me, oh, you're gonna be chum in the water. Yeah, the- <laughs> you clawed. It's like you're saying, I don't want to do this. People are gonna yell at me. I have to take my shirt off. People are gonna yell at me. I'm not doing this. Like, like I always, I always, I always imagine like it's it's exactly that that scene where I always imagine Keanu Reeves like, you know, guys, you all started surfing one day too, and and I hope that people were nicer to you than you're being to me right now because it's just rude, it's just rude, <laughs> and they all kind of sit on their surfboards and like pout like, you know, you're right, man. <laughs> You're you're trying. <laughs> that's the version of the movie. On them. That, that's the version of the movie I want to see when they all become very good friends and shake hands afterwards, instead of getting your ass kicked by Anthony fucking Kiedis. <laughs> oh, Kiedis. I don't know. The the only kind of false note in Blue Crush to me is some of the compositing effects near the end of the movie where they superimpose Kate Bosworth over the stunt double digitally. Yeah. Like that takes me out of the action a little bit. Yeah. It's a little, it's the danger of special effects. They're great. And then a year later, they're just awful. So this, this may, this may be a little bit off subject, but that's fine. We're doing a podcast about skateboarding and movies. Why is it then if that's the case why is it that the original Jurassic Park still looks so fucking insane in 2022? I think the original T-Rex in Jurassic Park is not CGI. Okay, it's a practical it's a, effect. It's a, it's a practical effect that they built. Um, and you got Steven Spielberg directing it, so he knows when to point the camera somewhere else. I also think... A lot of the Jurassic Park scenes are at night, and it's way easier to hide things like that in Mm -hmm. a nighttime shot because it's dark and you can just show the shadows. And Blue Crush does not have that advantage. Right. Because everything is, 
sun dappled and beautiful on in the you know you know i i had heard that the the rainbow that shows up at the end was legitimately there when they shot that scene and they were going to edit it out because they thought it was too cheesy <laughs> but it's real how could it be cheesy but it was yeah. but they kept it in because yeah, it's like real. a real rainbow show well I, and that's i think what i'm talking about in jurassic park is like the first scene where they see the dinosaurs in broad daylight to this day i see that scene and i'm like dinosaurs are real and it was that was like 30 years ago and i just and i mean so you're right you got spielberg you've got you know uh, yeah the, he, spielberg knowing how to shoot that kind of stuff it just still blows my mind that like even some some of the effects from like the lord of the rings looks like terrible and yet and yet jurassic park i'm like that's the real dinosaur maybe it's maybe it's luck of the draw in a weird right. way because if you look at 2001 a space odyssey or the john dykstra effects in star wars they look amazing. And then I remember we went to go to see Titanic and there's a scene where they're panning over the, the ship and it looks like Minecraft. <laughs> like there are, and I'm wondering like, were they trying to rush the movie out and, and they could, well, there was a small budget yeah, so, on that, on that movie. <laughs> no, that's true. They were really working against what right. they were working, what they right. had on that one. Yeah. I had <laughs> thought of that. So maybe it is it's like an know, indie like, film. I mean, what do you expect? Right guys? Yeah. I'm just wondering if if it's if it's a, a devil's bargain, you know. Well, and also right. So we are talking about Spielberg, who managed to make like a paper mache shark look really real and terrifying in Jaws. So you're right. Maybe it's just the, it's like he's like, well, I know how to do this, and it's not so intimate and close up. And yeah, I don't know. It still kills me. There, there are some there are some rear projection effects in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade that don't look great, but. It's fine. Right, it's fine. It's a movie. It's yeah. fake. It's fake. It's made up. Excellent. To our, to our point earlier, Jaws is not a loud movie either. With, with comparing it to say Blue Crush, it's these blue collar guys. What are we doing today? Oh, we got to go clean all the oil off the beach, and then we got to clean all the orange crush cans off the beach. And now evidently we got a shark. So <laughs> that's today's adventure. And it turns into something else. And uh, I just love these these weird little movies that are about groovy people doing their own thing in small town America. And it, it winds up going way beyond what they thought. So, Guy. Yes? Um, do you have any final thoughts on Blue Crush? I just go home and watch Blue Crush on a rainy day. And that'll be fine. You know, you don't even have to make it a popcorn evening or whatnot. But you're, you're gonna. It, it really is an underdog movie, both in terms of of plot and context within the film. But also, it's just a movie that is so dramatically better than what they, what even the studio probably was expecting. I think. And John Stockwell, uh, he, he he pulled every uh, he pulled every trick out of the bag and he threw them all away and said let's just let's just work with what we got and i gotta say the acting in blue crush we didn't talk about this the acting's really good yeah kate bosworth is really really good in that movie so guy thank you so much for joining i hope i didn't ruin everything no you did not you made everything uh better thank Thank you so much for having me i'm very flattered oh it's great it was great to see you and talk to you do you have anything you want to plug no Okay. <laughs>
Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Skateboarding is not a crime. Skateboarding is not a crime.